Here's a Dragon Ball Z podcast for Sunday, March 28, 2021. Many popular anime series exist, but Dragon Ball Z has been able to become a massive part of pop culture and help open up Western audiences to more shonen anime series. Dragon Ball Z's structure and characters aren't complex, but that hasn't stopped Goku from becoming a highly influential anime protagonist. The Dragon Ball franchise chronicles Goku's growth into one of the universe's strongest fighters, but there was a time when he wasn't always the best, and it's possible that he wouldn't turn out to be the series' legendary super scion that Frieza fears. Goku's transformation is a beautiful moment that comes as a surprise, but there are also plenty of hints that Goku was always set to be the one who accomplishes this milestone. There are some mixed conceptions on what sort of attitude a super scion should embody. The majority of the scion race is aggressive and utilitarian, but Goku's time on Earth has domesticated him and given him a cheerful disposition. It requires some kind of painful trigger to transform into a super scion for the first time, but it's important that Goku is someone who isn't purely filled with rage at all times. He's a balanced individual, which makes him able to handle the strength of a super scion with benevolence and not just become a weapon of destruction. Another detail that's important in claiming a coveted status or role is if the public will think that it's been earned or if it's some lucky circumstance. Goku is someone who takes fighting and training more seriously than anything else, and he consistently tries to better himself by training under the tutelage of Master Roshi and King Kai in major capacities. Goku even spends time with Karin as a child and gets taught valuable lessons. All of these individuals have acclaimed reputations, and Goku's time with them makes his graduation to Super Saiyan feel like a natural progression. The Saiyan saga depicts a simpler time in the series when turning into a Super Saiyan isn't the solution for everything. Before this point, Goku's biggest trick is the powerful spirit bomb technique that he learns from King Kai. This technique requires Goku to receive donations of energy from the world around him. This is a major ask and this figure needs to be trustworthy and pure enough to successfully wield such an ability. The fact that Goku masters the spirit bomb speaks to his special nature and why he's just as worthy to be the legendary Super Saiyan. The Dragon Ball Z movies are a mixed bag, especially some of the earlier titles, but Lord Slug features an interesting moment for Goku that's a significant nod towards his future Super Saiyan status. Goku's battle against a Super Namek triggers a pseudo-Super Saiyan transformation where he embodies the same power, but with a red aura. Curiously, Lord Slug predates the first Super Saiyan episode of Dragon Ball Z by two months and it's a major hint of what's to come. This form was meant to represent a regular Super Saiyan, but the standard look hadn't yet been established. Prophetic dreams can quickly turn into self-fulfilling prophecies, which makes them risky to directly pursue. One big factor that drives Frieza forward and led to the destruction of planet Vegeta in the first place is the tyrant's fear of an apocryphal figure known as the legendary Super Saiyan. On Namek, Frieza feels threatened by the prospect that Goku might be this special Saiyan, and he works hard to directly discourage him on the matter. On some level, this treatment does push Goku far enough to become a Super Saiyan for the first time, making Frieza partly responsible. From publisher, CBR. And here's another article. Dragon Ball, 10 Force Techniques Goku Would Want to Learn, CBR. Goku has acquired some of the most powerful abilities that his or any universe could have heard of. Spending years under the tutelage of unique masters like Grandpa Gohan, Master Roshi, King Kai, and Whis, Goku has become the strongest sea fighter in the Dragon Ball franchise, or at least in Universe 7. But as with all powerful fighters, Goku continues to strive to be stronger, and while it seems as though he has mastered every ability possible for now, one has to wonder how powerful he'd be if he acquired powers from the Star Wars universe. Goku certainly would love to acquire the powers of the Force, especially specific techniques. 
Obviously, Goku is not the type of person who ever wanted to use a Jedi mind trick to force anyone into doing what they don't want to do, but he may want to use it as a means of reforming villains into good guys. Goku always, perhaps naively, hopes for and expects the best out of people. It's why he turned his back on Frieza after giving him some energy and expected Frieza to realize the error of his ways, or why he wished for Buu to be reincarnated as the kind-hearted Oob. If he could find a way to make a new ally or sparring partner out of his toughest challengers, he would. A Jedi mind trick should do the trick. Senzu beans have always been a helpful way to recharge Goku and his friends either right before or midway through a fight, but it proves inconvenient when their bean supply on hand would suddenly run out at the worst of times. That is where force healing comes into play. It would be a technique where Goku wouldn't have to worry about running out of senzu beans either for himself or for his allies if all he needs is two hands and the will to heal. Considered by some to be the rarest power that the Jedi wield at their disposal, the force light is powerful enough to not only shed a Sith Lord's darkness from their body in a single blow and permanently weaken their connection to the force, but it also allows the Jedi to achieve a divine oneness that most Jedi masters struggle to achieve. Such a divine oneness could potentially be compared to the ultra-instinct transformation that Goku has tried to master in more recent Super Sagas. Force Light could help him do just that. Goku probably wished he could be in two places at once, rather than beg Chi-Chi to let him go train instead of work a job in the premiere episode of Dragon Ball Super, or when he'd clearly rather be off somewhere fighting in Broly, the legendary Super Scion instead of attending a school meeting for Gohan. From Publisher, CBR Dragon Ball, Goku celebrates COVID-19 vaccines in viral PSA. The vaccines for COVID-19 have continued to roll out around the world, and recently, a city in Massachusetts took the opportunity to incorporate the legendary Shonen franchise created by Akira Toriyama into their celebration by showing off Goku transforming into a Super Scion. The city of Somerville used Goku accessing the power of the Super Scion to help push the current campaign that is combating the coronavirus pandemic that has been ravaging the world for the better part of a year, which has caused a number of delays in the world of anime and manga. The city of Somerville shared this anime meme that uses Son Goku's most well-known transformation to help push COVID vaccines to those that are looking to combat the virus that has been ravaging the world at large for around a year, though unfortunately, the vaccine definitely will not transform folks into Super Scions. Dragon Ball fans are waiting for any news on the return of the franchise's anime, which took a hiatus following the conclusion of the Tournament of Power arc. Though the anime might have been brought to a halt, the manga's story has continued with the Moro arc recently ending and the Granola the Survivor arc beginning. What do you think of the Super Saiyan public safety announcement? Feel free to let us know in the comments or hit me up directly on Twitter at evcomedy to talk all things comics, anime, and the world of Dragon Ball. From Publisher, Anime. Dragon Ball, 5 Forgotten Facts About the Super Saiyan 2 Form Super Saiyan 2 is the overlooked middle child of Dragon Ball Z's Super Saiyan forms. On screen, it's hard to tell apart from a standard Super Saiyan form as its most visible differing quality is sparks that occasionally materialize in the user's aura. Akira Toriyama even forgot its existence after time passed, and it was completely outclassed shortly after by Super Saiyan 3. The form is instrumental in the Cell Saga but things sort of fell apart for Super Saiyan 2 after that. Given how the transformation has fallen out of favor over the years, what qualities still stand out in hindsight? What are some obscure secrets to Super Saiyan 2 that the casual fan might have otherwise forgotten? Let's go over the history and lore surrounding the classic form and uncover its mysteries. One of the key signs someone is about to transform is a little tingly feeling they get in the small of their back. This reached nearly mimetic levels thanks to Khalifla, a Universe 6 fighter in Dragon Ball Super's Tournament of Power arc. 
She argues that the key to her transforming is this tingly feeling in her back, drawing out the sensation, and allowing that feeling to overtake her. This ultimately begs the question, is that all there is to the super scion transformation? On one hand, it's possible that all scions feel that tingly feeling in their back, perhaps nerves flaring off or the energy-triggering sensation under their skin. However, it also indicates that the key to transforming can sometimes just be mastery of one's own body and sensory inputs. Most Super Saiyan 2 transformations are triggered either due to intense training or emotional drive. Khalifla is the only individual to first transform into a Super Saiyan 2 by exploring her bodily sensations. It is possible that all Super Saiyans get this tingly feeling, but stronger emotions, rage, anger, intense training, overshadow it. Of course, Khalifla may just be a unique individual. Not everyone achieves the same accomplishments the same way. Goten, for example, could just naturally turn into a Super Saiyan without any difficulty. When Cell returned, he emerged in his super-perfect form, which comes equipped with the same sparks that come with a Super Saiyan 2. This indicates that Cell, in his final moments against Gohan, was a Super Saiyan 2, sort of. He was ultimately defeated, but it stands to reason that, should Cell have trained harder, he might have turned into a Super Saiyan 3, or used Frieza's cells to achieve a golden form. Or both. Super Saiyan Rage is an unusual form introduced during Dragon Ball Super. It was first achieved by Future Trunks in his battle against Samatsu and Goku Black. It's essentially a powered-up version of the Super Saiyan 2 form that takes you close to the power of a Super Saiyan 3. It gives the user a bright blue aura underneath the flaring yellow aura of the Super Saiyan, reminiscent of the look generated by Super Saiyan Blues. However, bizarrely enough, while Super Saiyan Rage as a form was introduced in Dragon Ball Super, the name dates back far earlier. In Dragon Ball Z, the legacy of Goku 2 for the Game Boy Advance, Gohan's Super Saiyan 2 form is referred to as Super Saiyan Rage. However, because Super Saiyan 2 is a different form than Super Saiyan Rage, it can only be understood that the term Super Saiyan 2 had yet to be properly given a name in that point in the continuity, and the game was just reflecting that. Super Saiyan C-Type is a form achieved only by legendary Super Saiyans when they transform into what appears to be a standard Super Saiyan form. Their hair turns a shade of green and their physical stature increases. Suiting the legendary Super Saiyans, C-Type a far stronger form than the standard Super Saiyan transformation. Broly and Kale both achieve it, though it manifests differently. From publisher, CBR. Quite a lot has been going on. Dragon Ball Z, 10 times Gohan was his father's son. CBR. From the moment that Gohan first made his debut in the Dragon Ball Z franchise, it was hard to imagine how he could ever be Goku's son. He was just as strong, if not stronger, than his dad, but he rarely ever shared his father's eagerness to fight and would rather keep his head in the books. Even as an adult, he preferred to work towards being a scholar instead of training as a fighter. Most diehard fans of the franchise can point out more differences between the two than similarities, but that doesn't mean similarities don't exist. There are at least a handful of moments throughout the series that showcases Gohan perfectly embodying the qualities of his father, often providing perfect parallels for Goku's own upbringing. Goku was first introduced into the Dragon Ball franchise as a child by lifting a car over his head. The moment immediately signaled just how powerful Goku was, and as the series progressed, audiences learned his potential to become even more powerful was limitless. Gohan's initial introduction into DBZ was a little more subdued as a crying, shy four-year-old meeting the Z fighters for the first time, but that changed mere chapters slash episodes later when he raised from his space pod with an incredibly high power level to do something that Piccolo and Goku struggled to do, put a dent in Raditz's armor. 
Goku and Krillin have been portrayed as best friends ever since the original Dragon Ball was first released and continue to be portrayed as such during the course of Dragon Ball Super, except to fans who believe Goku's found a new best friend in Vegeta. However, starting in the Saiyan Saga and especially during the Frieza Saga, Krillin started watching over Gohan as a mentor of sorts while his father was away. Over the course of the first three sagas at least, Krillin found his own new best friend in Gohan, as the two were often paired together as if they were stuck like glue. Near the end of the canonical movie, Gohan knocks out Trunks to prevent him from confronting the androids. Despite knowing how high his chance of defeat was in a one-on-two fight, Gohan willingly accepted the inevitable, trusting that Trunks would step up as the planet's new sole defender. In a perfect parallel during the Cell Saga, Goku sacrificed himself to explode alongside Cell, trusting Gohan to defend the Earth in his absence. Because Goku is always so eager to fight someone and test his own strength, it comes as no surprise to see Goku rush into a fight without thinking about the consequences. However, it's rare to see Gohan do the same. Fast forward to when Gohan and Cell actually come face to face during the Cell games. Initially, Gohan is petrified at the thought of facing him, but after unlocking his potential in a Super Saiyan 2 form, he relishes the encounter, to a fault. From publisher, CBR. Dragon Ball 10 anime villains Goku can't beat without Ultra Instinct. Goku has dabbled into a wide array of different transformations, but among them all, Ultra Instinct remains the most notable and powerful form that he has achieved to date in the Dragon Ball franchise. Unique and completely independent of his previous Super Saiyan forms, Ultra Instinct sets Goku at his most calm state to master every ounce of his ability, power, and strength. Related, Attack on Titan, 5 Dragon Ball characters who could stop the rumbling, and 5 who couldn't. There has been debate over which characters could rival his Ultra Instinct form, let alone actually beat him while using it. It's hard to truly answer that question, but a bigger question to consider is not who could beat him in Ultra Instinct, but which villains does Goku need Ultra Instinct to beat? Along with being the biggest antagonist in the Naruto franchise, this princess also happens to be the strongest. Thanks to the grace of the chakra fruit she's eaten, she has a long, seemingly never-ending list of powers and abilities up her arsenal. In every essence of the word, Kaguya Otsutsuki, and all of her divinity, is a god. There are not many ways that Goku could combat a god, but the closest he can get to both beating and becoming a god is by using Ultra Instinct. However, hypothetically, in a world where the rules are not a factor and maybe the book isn't even a factor, leaving a mano a mano combat scene between Goku and Ryuk, Ryuk is still a Sinigami, an actual supernatural god. Goku couldn't beat a god of destruction when he turned Super Saiyan God, so Ultra Instinct is probably his only hope here. The Truth is an omnipotent, godlike character capable of limitless possibilities. It would be impossible for Goku to combat such a being. Ultra Instinct is the closest form he has at his disposal to do so, and even then, he'd be lucky not to be snapped out of existence. In terms of appearance, Muryuum would not look out of place on Dragon Ball Z playing some sort of C-level henchman. However, those who have not seen his work on Hunter x Hunter should not take him lightly. He's born with unfathomable strength and an intellect level beyond anything that the average human could possibly understand. Not to mention that because he has extreme durability and stamina, the super genius could catch Goku's strongest punch or blast and barely flinch a muscle. Ultra Instinct is Goku's best shot at landing a substantial hit. From publisher, CBR. Every way Dragon Ball Super Recon's GT, screen rant. Despite still following Goku and his friends, Dragon Ball GT told a totally new story not derived from Toriyama's manga, and the fan reaction was predictably negative. Dragon Ball viewers were generally disappointed with the futuristic tone, sweeping changes to the mythology, 
and lack of substance. Dragon Ball laid dormant for a while after GT's conclusion, but maintained its popularity, and a new sequel series, Dragon Ball Super, premiered in 2015. Made with Toriyama's involvement this time, Dragon Ball Super has enjoyed far more acclaim. In terms of the timeline, however, Dragon Ball Super takes place before the era of GT, meaning both could technically still exist within the same canon. Even though Dragon Ball GT hasn't completely been overwritten, so much of Dragon Ball Super recons the previous sequel. Here's every way the latest Dragon Ball anime series delivers a canon Kamehameha to Dragon Ball GT. Perhaps the most obvious retcon Dragon Ball Super makes to Dragon Ball GT is in the power levels of Goku and Vegeta. In Dragon Ball GT, both Saiyans unlock the Super Saiyan 4 transformation, an ape-like form with black hair, red fur and a restored tail, which remains Goku and Vegeta's strongest state until the end of the anime. In Dragon Ball Super, Goku and Vegeta ascend to Super Saiyan God Mode instead, before training themselves up to Super Saiyan Blue. Goku goes a step further by honing the Ultra Instinct technique, while Vegeta learns Forced Spirit Fission. According to the Dragon Ball timeline, Goku and Vegeta should have these godlike techniques available in GT, but not one of them is even mentioned. Other characters such as Gohan and Krillin also receive power-ups in Dragon Ball Super, but they might have neglected their training and got rusty before Dragon Ball GT, which would explain the discrepancy. Since Goku and Vegeta are constantly training, however, there's no reason for them to stop using Super Saiyan God and Ultra Instinct. Ever since Universe 7's God of Destruction, Beerus, was alerted to the prophecy of a Super Saiyan God by his pet fish, he and Whis have been a constant presence in the Dragon Ball story. Whether they're consuming Earth's delicacies or complaining about how troublesome Saiyans are, Beerus and his angelic assistant can't help but hang out with Goku Z warriors. As Dragon Ball Super progresses, Beerus and Whis become even more involved, training Goku and Vegeta personally, and even rewinding time when Frieza threatens to destroy the Earth. It's strange, then, that the characters are completely absent throughout Dragon Ball GT, not even mentioned by the characters on Earth. Obviously, this is because Beerus and Whis weren't created when Dragon Ball GT was airing, but from an in-story perspective, it's a plot hole. The same can be said of other divine beings introduced in Dragon Ball Super. Goku made a firm friend in Zeno, and there's an entire roster of gods and angels who are integral to the fabric of the universe. Then there are the concepts of god energy, time rings, etc., all of which are ignored completely in the futuristic timeline of Dragon Ball GT. Dragon Ball Super massively expands Akira Toriyama's fictional world by revealing the existence of other universes beyond Goku's Universe 7. There are 12 in total, and each has a parallel twin containing similar planets and races. The Z Warriors compete in inter-universe tournaments in Dragon Ball Super, and befriend the likes of Hit and Jiren, as well as the Scions of Universe 6. Vegeta even finds a protege in Young Kaba, instructing the warrior how to become Super Scions. No one in Dragon Ball GT references that these other universes exist, nor any of the allies or enemies made during the Tournament of Power. Not only is this strange, but Goku uses Jiren as a measuring stick for his own power after their intense battle, always hoping for a rematch in a future tournament. Why wouldn't he still feel the same during Dragon Ball GT? From Publisher, Screen, Rant. Dragon Ball, How Character Power Levels Compare to Raditz's, CBR. By extrapolating beyond the Scion Saga and scaling the various threats in Dragon Ball Z on the Raditz scale, we can fully appreciate just how far along various characters progress by the time they reach the end of Namek and beyond. When you look at the Greater Legions of Frieza's army, Raditz is at best a minor scout. Cybermen have a power level of 1200, making them about as strong as Raditz. 
Napa's power level is 4000, while Vegeta's is 18000. This means that each Cyberman is 0.8, Napa is 2.67, and Vegeta is 12 on the Raditz scale. All of this sounds impressive, and was already a gag on Dragon Ball Z, abridged, but let's extrapolate this even further. By comparison, Freeze's first form has a power level of 530,000, his second form is over 1 million, while at 100%, Frieza stands at a power level, according again to the Daizenshu 7, of 120 million. That means Frieza in his base form is 353.33, his second form is 666.67. At his absolute max, Frieza is 80,000 on the Raditz scale. If you think that's intense, according to V-Jump, Cooler's fifth form had a power level of 470 million, putting him at 313,333.33 on the Raditz scale. After Frieza, the Raditz scale, much like power levels, becomes so absurd that it borders on a meaningless measurement for accurately gauging a character's strength. However, it also doesn't help that there is increasingly less official information on power levels after the Frieza saga. The game scouter battle tycoon Kamehameha offers most of the official data on post-Namek saga power levels we can find. So, by using that data, we can continue. According to the game, Perfect Cell's power level is 900 million, Majin Buu is 1 billion, Kid Buu is 1 billion 150 million, while Broly, somehow, is even stronger at 1 billion 400 million. Broly's data seems a little nonsensical considering Super Saiyan Goku could ultimately beat him. But V-Jump does confirm this measurement with their own assessment on Dragon Ball Z Broly's power level. Using these numbers, Perfect Cell is 600,000, Majin Buu is 666,666.67, Kid Buu is 766,666.67 and Broly is 933,333.33 on the Raditz scale. Scouter Battle Tycon Kamehameha also incorporates the power levels from Dragon Ball GT, meaning we can measure further villains. Baby Vegeta is 1,300,000, Golden 8 Baby Vegeta is 1,580,000, Super 17 is 1,500,000 while Omega Shenrong is 1,900,000,000. On the Raditz scale, this puts Baby Vegeta at 866,666.67, Golden 8 Baby Vegeta at 1,053,333.33, Super 17 at 1 million and Omega Shenrong at 1,266,666.67 on the Raditz scale. When looking at Dragon Ball Super, things become more problematic. Because power levels become incredibly obsolete by this point, there's some jumbled information. Frieza claims his power level is only 1,300,000, which would contradict the numbers from Daizenshu 7. Broly's power in Dragon Ball Super, Broly is infinite. On top of that, the power levels of the Z fighters in Super are not provided anywhere. The only official data comes from the Daizenshu 7 and V-Jump, which places Goku when he first transforms into a Super Scion at 150 million and Super Gogeta in the Janemba movie at 2,500,000,000. Beyond that, the data remains sparse. This indicates that it's impossible to really see the various characters' exact power levels. The point of all of this, however, is that post-Frieza, Raditz is such a blip on the power level radar that it's hard to use him as a point of comparison any longer. After all, Power levels only seem to exist as an inconsistent gag intended to show how absurd it is to try calculating power, seeing as how the scouters seldom properly indicate how strong the heroes are. The Raditz scale, similarly, is just that, a gag that means almost nothing. From publisher, CBR. Thanks for listening. Check back for more. And don't forget to dance a day.